gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? The show starts in ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, Electricity here in Columbia. Well, it's been buzzing loudly all weekend. Passion of the crowd and Rivers Price Stadium is second to none. And the raid breaks out in Columbia. It is good! Gamecock fans, welcome home. See how it goes, uh, but we'll be ready to go. It's time to root. Touchdown, Carolina! It's gone! Touchdown! What a hit! He makes it in! You believe the Cops have won this game. Here are your hosts, J.C. Sherbert, Bill Molinax, my wife doesn't like hanging around losing, and Jamie Bradford. I'm telling you, you look like you joined Doug Dynasty. All right, greetings and good morning and welcome aboard Inside the Gamecocks, the show live from the Cinerama Studios and teed up by TravelingCountryClub.com, the coolest club in the Carolinas. JB, JC, and Phil here until 1 o'clock this afternoon. No shortage of things to discuss as South Carolina walks out of williams Price Stadium Saturday night victorious over themselves. 19 to 17, the first spring game in the history of college football to go into double overtime. Uh, plenty of takeaways to uh, get th- get into on that uh, as they hit the quote unquote off season, if there is such a thing anymore in college football. Ladies first, the softball team. What a turnaround this year for Beverly Smith and her group. They are in the top 25. If you haven't heard, they have just entered at 25 having an outstanding season, 30-12 and 12 and 7-8 and eight in league play, well on their way to the postseason. And so, of course, is Carolina baseball. Although they dropped the series at Vanderbilt this weekend, they are well-positioned to be a top-eight national seed right now as they sit at number two in the RPI with Florida on deck. Reminder, that series starts Thursday evening on ESPNU between the Gators and the Gamecocks. Transfer portal is open. We'll see uh, if there is anything to plug in this afternoon. Could be. Uh, JC probably has a little bit more to fill in the gaps there. And then, obviously, uh, we will uh, continue to fuss and discuss uh, where Carolina will look in the transfer portal uh, by virtue of adding to the program because um, they still need to do that. So a lot to get through today and throughout the week. Quick programming note on Wednesday at 1120. Uh, we will be joined by Monty Lee from Gamecock Baseball. So looking forward to that. Hope you all had a great weekend. What's up, guys? Not much. Uh, really good to watch some football Saturday night. Uh, enjoyed it. Uh, took some notes, obviously. Uh, sat here and, and, and uh, had a notebook full of, of things that I kind of came up with. And most of that people can read on thebigspur.com right now. I think – uh, anytime when you look at is a, a spring game a success, you, you look at two things. 
number one, how's the atmosphere? Because it's always a big recruiting weekend, and South Carolina had a lot of great recruits uh, in there visiting. Uh, mission accomplished with that. Uh, I think South Carolina's uh, fan base, you guys out there, you need to, again, can continue to give yourselves rounds of applause because I, I think if you kind of look at the attendance and atmosphere this past season, uh, combine it with the spring games the last two years, you know, Gamecock fans <clears throat> have sort of reclaimed their uh, title as best fans in the country. Um, I'll throw in the Gator Bowl with that too. I mean, that was uh, – bowl games these days don't get the massive crowds like they used to. And they did in South Carolina's case when they played Notre Dame. Uh, and so hats off to Gamecock Nation. I mean, that, that, that uh, and I'm not saying the fan base have never went away. Because you have to understand, that it, it was such kind of a long 10 years, eight years, whatever, the rise of Clemson and football, Spurrier leaving, the Muschamp trying to rebuild the thing. Basketball had one good month, and obviously the fan base showed up for that. Baseball's kind of been up and down. Um, and that's enough to affect any fan base. Uh, and it's enough to cause some folks not to go. And then you had COVID. Uh, and, and I'm not convinced that in 2021, Beamer's first year, that people were completely over, you know, taking precautions and, and things like that when they went out in public places and stuff. And that's fine. Um, but, boy, starting with this 2022 season uh, and really back to the spring game last year, South Carolina's fan base has shown up big time. And, guys, that just means so much for recruiting. Kids don't want to go play someplace that's half full. You know, people ask me all the time about basketball. Well, you know, men's basketball, that's an issue. Now, that's not an issue that's necessarily the fan base's fault, but that's uh, that's an issue with that program trying to recruit, and especially when you look at every other program on campus that gets over-the-top support. And football definitely uh, is in that category. And you talk to any of the recruits, and that's uh, – you know, that's kind of – that's what they say, first thing they say. So that's number one. Number two, you don't want any injuries, unfortunately. There was one to Jalen Nichols. Uh, last I've heard about his situation is it's fluid. Uh, that's obviously a significant situation because he's supposed to be the starting left tackle this year. You know, South Carolina's gotten all these really good offensive line recruits, but some aren't there yet, including Josiah Thompson, who committed on Friday. And then also, you know, the incoming freshmen like Big Tree Babalade, you don't want to depend on those guys to be starters this first year. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, too, Case and Henry, who uh, I've sort of been high on and, and I've heard good things about, I did some checking on him, and you know, he's still got some knee issues. So he may not be healthy for the season. So that's – if you're looking for a, a, an area where you're like, the injury bug just kind of bit a little bit, it's definitely offensive line. Uh, tackle specifically. Uh, so that's a concern. The good news is you got time. Uh, I don't know if they're going to – if they find a, an offensive t- – I know the starting left tackle from Oklahoma State got in the portal today. So if they find a guy like that, you know, sure, bring him on down. But, uh, you know, it, it's not – it's easier said than done with all that. So uh, I thought with regards to Dowell Loggins and the new offense, I, it was kind of what I expected which I had pretty reasonably high expectations. It would be clean uh, if it is a – and I'm not saying the execution was clean. I think the play calling and, you know, and all that. And if that's vanilla, kind of looking forward to seeing what not vanilla is because, uh, boy, they there are some things that they, they, hadn't, they hadn't done, like throw it over the middle on slants and stuff. Uh, 
They went downtown a bunch, uh, you know, threw it deep, attacked the flats. Uh, the thing I like about it the most, guys, is it looks like Dowell Loggins is committed to making teams defend the entire width of the field. And I don't think that was always the case. Uh, otherwise, he spoke in his press conference when he was introduced about the difference between the hash marks in college and the pros. And you have to think about that. Um, you know, you've got uh, a wider space that you have to attack. So uh, I thought they did uh, a really good job in, in theory just doing that, uh, you know. And, and and I'll say, obviously, my big uh, takeaway from some of the younger players would be that um, Lenore Sellers is the type of guy that I think could the C could uh, be in a position to, there's a lot of qualifiers here, uh, lead this program to championships. I, I think that just from what you see so far, you have a guy that's that big and that fast, and you have a guy that can throw it like he can. I mean, who has that kind of skill set? I mean, you know, and, and those guys are tough to stop, folks, because it's like, okay, so you got everything on the field stopped. You got everybody covered. You got the the safety valves covered. You got this covered. You got that covered. You, you have a you may even have a spy on the guy. Well, let's say you spy him with a with a corner or safety. Well, he's liable to run out of there and stiff arm you and break that first initial containment and tackle, and then accelerate, and it's thirty yards later, and that's demoralizing for a defense. You know, I, I thought back in '06 when Spurrier played Savelle Newton for those six games, uh, and really through the whole Connor Shaw era. One of the things that made Carolina absolutely lethal is, you know, okay, maybe they didn't get the play call in on time, or maybe Spurrier was trying to figure it out, or maybe there's nobody open. Well, when that happened, instead of a sack or a minimal gain, Connor busted out there for eight or nine yards, ten yards, first down. Same with Savelle. Um, and, and so when I when I look at the passing game of Dowell Loggins and, and, and kind of how that's taking shape, and there's a lot of air raid stuff in there. I mean, there's, there's a lot of nice stuff to kind of like. Uh, about what he's trying to do through the air. And then down the road, you start thinking about a potentially very good offensive line, uh, a lot of speed at the skill positions, uh, that kind of thing. And you throw Lenore Sellers back, his skill set back there. Boy, that's that's an offense. <laughs> that's something that can really cause some people some nightmares. Now, that's down, in the, down the road, but heck, in a spring game, folks, your starters aren't playing that much. I mean, everybody kind of – Ganged up on the offensive line again, but come on, man. I mean, it was uh, even from the beginning, they weren't playing their, their top group, you know, out there. And, and, you know, you threw poor, they threw poor Marky Anderson out there at left tackle, man. And I don't think anybody in the program is in any way negative about Marquis' future around here, but he struggled. Uh, and I think that's a good thing for young players, guys, because when you throw a young player out there to the Wolves like that, and he struggles. That's a learning experience. He's going to go, and he's not considered to be a left tackle right now, projected or whatever. But you look at him, uh, and you go, okay, well, he can take that film and go, all right, I got my butt whipped. So here's what I got to do to, to get better. And if you can do that without it toss, costing your team a game, uh, that, that's amazing. You know, that, that that's actually one of those bad slash good things that happens uh, in football sometimes with regards to young players and their development. So all in all, I was, I was, you know, there's really not a lot to complain about in, in the spring game. I know people are concerned about running back. I know people are concerned about edge, uh, but those things are just kind of take care of themselves. Uh, I do think at the end of the day, you know, South Carolina has the makings of a pretty good, um, pretty good football team coming up. 
We got John Whittle coming up at eleven twenty. Keith Alsep at twelve as well. But Phil, uh, the the game Saturday night. I, I don't. I'm not a big takeaway guy from spring games. I'm just not. I'm. I'm a. Let me see him get off the bus and let me see what some of these new guys look like. How do they move and this, that, and the other? Um, anything that really caught your eye, though? We've heard a lot of the same things. You know, uh, a lot of the stuff JC's mentioned. Uh, Joiner. Is there somebody maybe a little bit off the radar that you saw Saturday night and thought? Hey, here's a guy that we haven't heard much from in the last three or four weeks, but he sure did show up today. Well, obviously, I think Brian Thomas Jr. looked really good <laughs> rushing the passer, but it, it's hard to sorry, tell. Sorry, Phil. You know? <laughs> oh, did he say Phil? Uh, I'm sorry. No, I'm that was all right. No, you were good. I missed, good. I missed the Phil. I don't Brian know. I'm, it, it, look, it, it's, it's 40 degrees and snowing outside this morning, so I'm naturally depressed today. So <laughs> if, if I'm a little off, I apologize. So No, that was good. Hey, we'd love to hear your analysis of the spring game. <laughs> no, I, overall, I, there wasn't anything that really flashed. You know, I mean, you see different things across the field, you know, and uh, JC said most of it, just, you know, happy to see – the way that it looks, you can tell it's a little different than it was last year offensively. Uh, the way they set it up with the teams being drafted, though, I think, you know, made for that weird O-line configurations and, and maybe probably some some things that, you know, because neither one of the sides had anybody fully, you know, healthy yeah. that's been working together all spring, you know, yeah. so that's not going to come together. And there's so much cohesion that has to happen there. And that's just going to help the run game. But, you know, obviously we need a running back. Uh, you know, one thing I did take notice of was that if you're not a giant program, right, if you're not one of the blue bloods, like everybody likes to say, when it comes to college football, you have to create your own relevance, and I think that when you're packing out a stadium like that in the spring and that energy and hype just keeps building and building year over year over year, and here we are in the third year of Beamer, um, that speaks well to the big R word, the relevance word when it comes nationally. And that's going to do nothing but bode well further for recruiting, being able to help pull kids out of the portal that may not have given South Carolina a look even last year or two years ago. Uh, and, you know, I think, you know, mission accomplished all across the board. Other than the one injury, hate that. But other than that, hey, successful weekend in Williams-Price. You know, I I, I agree. And, and I a lot of my takeaways actually happened before I even walked into the ballpark. I, I was yeah. able to spend time uh, with uh, – uh, thanks to thanks to Pat DeMarco over there with the with the Letterman's Association. Uh, first of all, hats off to a lot of those guys. I didn't realize that pretty much everybody I talked to actually watches this show, so that's pretty cool. Uh, nice. You know, guys like Hart Turner and and Jeremy Burgess and uh, and Jeff Barnes and um, saw John Strickland over there, Brewer. You know, all these guys, Perry, uh, Stephen was in town. I mean, I, I didn't realize we had a following from guys who know a lot more than we do. Uh, so certainly uh, appreciate all those guys. But one of the things that I tried to do was just, I mean, I know them. So kind of off, you know, we just talk. And and they're, they're around. You know, a lot of those guys spend a lot of time over there watching practice and talking to coaches and players and stuff like that. And um, and collectively, there's there's high energy from dudes that I would say qualify as pretty good opinions on Carolina football. Uh, and, and they really like the young group that's come in. Um, clearly everybody enjoys the staff, but you know, those guys shared the fact that when they were, when they were out there, like talking about Rattler, for instance, I was talking to Steven about him and he was like, he he's, it's different. 
It was like, you know, when he's on the field now, he's he's kind of the general. Like, there is no more of this, okay, he's got all the skills and the talent and this, that, and the other. Um, you know, we're just kind of trying to work our way through the offense. Like, he knows what's going on. He knows where people are. And it's one of those things where you might see from time to time, you know, an, an overthrow or something like that. We actually saw a couple of these in the game the other night. And it's it's not really an overthrow. It's one of two things. It's he's now got it. It's smart enough, JC. You'll know what I'm talking about. Where he's advanced enough as a quarterback, where it's like not open, not open, not open. But if I can throw this guy open, it's going to be a big hit. If not, it's just an incompletion. Which is which is very you're very advanced as a QB when you can do those type of things. Also, uh, not open, not open, not open. Ball lands in open space. And you're looking at it going, where was he throwing the football? Yeah, it wasn't on him. Somebody ran the wrong route. So, like, we've advanced ourselves to that point with a starting quarterback at South Carolina. Um, And I'll share more of some of these conversations later on, the ones that I can share. But that was certainly something from a guy who would know that I took away going, all right, out of my eyes, when I watch him play tonight and moving forward, those will be little little things I'll be looking for uh, to be able to have actual real discussions about them publicly with all of you um and um it's just something that's not custom around here to have a guy this advanced leading your quarterback room like spencer rattler yeah even the first play of the game man uh, and that was one that probably got away from spencer a little bit i mean it's kind of a progression and, and eddie lewis was wide open i mean uh, i don't know if that's one of those scramble scramble and go kind of deals but um uh, and I say this too. I think I think Eddie Lewis is going to be a good player for South Carolina this year. Um, yeah. A lot of targets. Uh, it didn't always connect, but I mean, he, he can get open and he's fast and he he seems like he wants to play. Trey Knox, obviously, Josh Simon. Uh, uh, that's Trey my guy, Knox, man. I'm telling you, yeah. I'm telling you, those guys uh, they're, they're legit. Um, even Josh Pate said today, South Carolina's up. Everybody's worried after every single tight end on the roster's gone after last year. And uh, even Josh Pace said South Carolina significantly upgraded. Um, so all hail the transfer portal in that situation. And, you know, in Simon's case, all hail in-state talent. Yeah. Because he's an in-state kid that's coming back, you know. And Trey he, he's Knox, a matchup issue. I mean, he's yeah. he's not he's not even really a tight end. He's just kind of a guy that you throw the ball to. You know? and, and with, with, with Trey, you know, Trey was at Arkansas so long, guys, you, you almost kind of wonder, you know, this guy's getting out at the end out there. Uh, I, I don't know that you expect a guy to come into a new program that's been at another SEC school for that long and take the kind of ownership, leadership-wise he has. If you listen to him talk, he's he's one of the leaders of this football team. Yeah, uh, and, and that's different for a guy coming in from someplace else, especially someplace like Arkansas. Uh, so I think that's something that maybe gets underlooked. Uh, like everybody I talk to about him, he's a very good kid, like a very a, an impressive leader of men type uh, and a grown man. You know, and I think any um, as many guys like that as you have on your team, that helps because in the fourth quarter, when it's third, fourth, and five, and he's got to catch that crossing route, he's going to catch it. You know, yeah. Uh, yeah. As long as he's open, I mean that, that sure. he had one play that was a touchdown that, that didn't quite go his way. Comes right back to the well and boom, boom, boom. You know, yeah. and that stuff like that really I, I like. You seeing guys respond and all that. That's really in all sports, but. You know, when you're kind of evaluating a, a spring football game, how do guys respond if something to go their way? Well, Trey Knox responded pretty well. 
Well, we need to hit a timeout. It's 11.22. We'll shift gears when we return. John Whittle will be here. Uh, he has uh, just, well, not just, yesterday landed back in Columbia, uh, the long drive from Nashville, Tennessee. Carolina wins game one, but drops games two and three, but they are still in a prime spot when it comes to college baseball. So we'll fuss and discuss with JW. Reminder, Keith, uh, uh, all set will join us at the top of the uh, noon hour as well. And uh, so we will be jam-packed here for the next hour and a half. Don't go anywhere. Inside the Gamecocks, the show from the Sinorama Studios. We'll be right back. Family vacations, a new car, a new boat, all cost money, but you don't necessarily have to make more to afford any of that if you can save cash that's flying out the window now. iHelp Consulting can help you finally get the kids to Disney World, upgrade the minivan, or drop that new boat in the water next summer. Let Daniel and iHelp Consulting consult with you. No fees, just savings. You pay them a percentage of those savings. Save on essential services, credit card fees, you name it. Let them find it. These folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you? Just as your State Farm agent combines good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates, you can combine your home, auto, life, or small business insurance with Tony Pope State Farm Insurance today. And guess what you'll get? That's right, even more good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates. In fact, Tony Pope State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. Once again, Tony Pope State Farm will help you mix and match perfectly. Call 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. The real estate market has changed dramatically from just a year ago. Rates, supply, demand, all of your traditional factors are in a transition phase. That's why if you or someone you know are considering making a move in the low country, contact me, JB, at Coast to Coast Realty. I work with an outstanding support cast of attorneys, lenders, inspectors, insurance agents, and more, all of whom are valuable in helping find a way for you to comfortably make your real estate decision. That's right. Call me, JB, your low country real estate broadcaster. Traveling to cheer on the Gamecocks? Reserve your hotel stay with Fan Plans. Your booking supports inside the Gamecocks and the Big Spur, plus you still earn your hotel loyalty points. Visit fanplans.com slash inside the Gamecocks. What's up, Gamecock Nation? This is Ja'Kai Moore from the DMV, and you are listening to the show. Welcome back, everybody, to Inside the Gamecocks, the show presented to you by Express Sunrooms of Columbia. Give John Barber and his team a call, 803-446-4662, to talk about how they could potentially turn your backyard into an outdoor retreat. And, of course, the first hour of the show is brought to you by the Cindy Searfoss and the Coldwell Banker Kane Realty team here in the upstate. Give Cindy a call, 864-414-5271. Is how to get in touch with her for all your upstate residential real estate needs. And on the McKellar Enterprises guest line, I like it. Every Monday we get to see John Whittle. John <laughs> didn't, uh, didn't entirely get swept in the series. A little disappointing up there in Nashville the way the last two games ended. Uh, are we at a point now where we have to say defense is actually becoming a bit of a concern? Well, it was this past week. Um, 
I, I thought coming into the season that this would be kind of a below average team defensively. And they've honestly up to this past week have, have kind of exceeded my expectations a little bit. Um, but this past week was brutal. Uh, three errors in the ninth against USC upstate. And then uh, I can't even count that high on, on the weekend. I, I guess it was four on uh, four on Saturday, two on Sunday and, at least one, maybe two on Friday. So, yeah, it was it wasn't good. What wasn't good this past weekend, and certainly something that that they've got to clean up quite a bit. John, I I um, not a not a big excuse guy in any way, shape, or form. But you you were there. We've we've talked about this a lot last week. Talked about it extensively with Coach Lake on Friday. It's, it's different playing on that field compared to being at home uh, or just on you know with this thing they call grass. Would you attribute any of the defensive mistakes you saw this weekend to being a little bit uncomfortable out there? And then maybe kind of piggybacking on that question with Lee Croy, it just felt to me like he got mentally kind of domed up throughout the weekend and they just need to kind of loosen him back out this week. Yeah, I, I think that's fair on, on LaCroix for sure. Um, when when it comes to the field, like you get a truer hop on, on the artificial turf, but it's different to play on it, you know, one yep. for one weekend a, a season. Uh, South Carolina's going to have to do it again, I believe, at, at Kentucky, so better get used to it. Um, <laughs> you know? So, yeah, I mean, it, it definitely provides a, a challenge there in terms of just getting used to it. Vanderbilt's got to – got a advantage because they're playing on it every day but you know Vanderbilt is is uh right near the top or at the top in the SEC defensively every year for for a couple of reasons but one of them is because you get true hops on that turf and you know there are plays that should have been made this weekend uh that you know if even if you're outside playing in the street that should have been made so it was uh I mean I, I get it and 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 I understand that is is difficult, but at the same time, like you you still got to make some plays. Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know where I've been the last ten years. Uh, maybe I just haven't turned the sound on for very many Vanderbilt Carolina baseball games on the road. That whistler drove me and everybody in my house crazy. I mean, I, I didn't realize it was like that. And then I looked up an article about who's actually doing it. And it's these older guys, but one of them has a real punchable face. Looks like a, your classic old Vandy fan that's just mad at life. And I was just like, man, I, I don't know how. I don't know. But anyway, I know that had nothing to do with the game. Uh, my question would be, John, you know, sometimes teams will get hot. And, and I don't know, maybe just a novice baseball person in me. I, I tend to think. When you look at it over the course of a three-game series, sometimes teams that get out to the big start, they kind of almost run out of runs. And statistically, if you look at the game, like bat- average batting averages and average runs scored, th- there may be some truth to that. I mean, I, I, I guess the last two weeks, 14 and 13 in game one, and then all of a sudden things good, good starts in game two both times, and then things kind of kind of trail off. Uh, do you think almost the Gamecocks are, are kind of using up their runs in, the, in these first two series, or is that uh, is that just me being dumb? <laughs> well, I, I I don't think that's like crazy off base in in general. Like you know, sometimes if you have a 
a, a really good day. You come back down to earth a little bit, but at the same time, Bandy's pitching staff is also really, really good. Um, and, and putting up 14 on, uh, on, on Friday night. I mean, that's the most runs they've given up all year. And then, you know, they, they come back and, and scored four in the, in the first inning uh, the next day and, and uh, you know, off, off to a good start. But I, I think it was more Vandy's pitching staff and then, uh, than, than, than anything else in, in this instance. All right, boys, you got 14. Y'all take the day off and uh, well, got so many. Stop scoring. <laughs> I don't think <laughs> we got any left in the tank, kids. So, uh, we'll quota. It's time to just settle down. <laughs> <laughs> or you get up, you like 10 to 6. I'm, you're like, hey, everybody stri- I mean, just swing at everything and intentionally strike out. I, I we don't want to use up all our runs. Cole, yeah. hold on. Don't, don't swing this in. Let's go on. I've always kind of thought that, and then my fiance kind of agrees with me, and I'm like, Oh, maybe maybe I'm onto something. Probably. Well, she's always right. I know how that feels. No, but I it, I know what you're saying, JC. I'm just picking on you because of how it sounded in my head. I'm like, <laughs> are you here? Because you hear things like that. They're like, well, do you think they used up all their runs? I'm like, well, they hey, weren't allotted a certain number. You know, like, hey, actually- look, look, look. There, there's approximately zero people that listen to this podcast for my baseball inside. Okay, so I'm not worried about it. <laughs> It's probably uh, just something funny. Uh, <laughs> all right, somebody else in the chat box had a good point. Giving up runs with two outs, John, that was surprisingly bad. Yeah, I thought Becker uh, yesterday battled back out of some bad situations, but uh, it seemed like Vandy had a lot of you know two out magic, whatever you want to call it, uh, uh, the last two games of the series. They did. Uh, they they did. You know, getting that third out was tough for. For South Carolina, it, at times, you know, o- over the weekend. So, uh, you know, both. Uh, I mean, all three of their unearned runs on on Sunday were, or I, I guess well, I'm not. I'm not sure if those were unearned or not. I think those were actually earned. The 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 the, the two off Becker uh, were were both with two outs, and and same in the in the sixth inning that were that were unearned. Um, the 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 walk by Austin and the fielding error those. Those were with two outs. Obviously, Bradfield's, um, you know, solo home run was on the first pitch of that eighth inning. But, um, but yeah, I mean, Van- Vandy, Vandy put pressure on South Carolina um, a-, a lot with with two outs, and South Carolina didn't didn't always uh, respond well de- defensively. And and um, you know that was that that was a, a big big part of the weekend. And you know, that's one thing that Vanderbilt does really well is is they put the ball in play and they build their roster every year to, to have a bunch of speed and, and put pressure on the defense. And, and uh, you know, they, they play they, – they have a certain style that they do really well. And, and part of that is, is not striking out, putting the ball in play and putting pressure on the defense. And, and South Carolina just didn't respond great at, at times over the weekend. So I, I had two absolute must-have conversations with you, John. One of them in just a minute is going to be about the pitching staff with Noah missing time. So we'll get to that in just a minute. Let's talk about the play on Saturday. Uh, because you mentioned unearned runs. Of the eight that Vandy scored, just three were earned. Um, that pl- I didn't realize here's another knock on Vanderbilt and how they do things up there. The fact that Derek and Tommy didn't have a monitor in the booth is kind of ridiculous. Um so the ball's hit to the wall. I still have not seen a replay that shows that the ball actually hit the hit the wall ever. Uh, it, it did appear, again, this is just watching. I was listening to Derek and watching, and it looked like it hit Stone's glove and fell into his arms. Um, I'm actually texting him 
during the game, John, because nobody really knew what was going on. I'm not sure what was being spread through the booth at that point in time, but what you know what I saw. I don't know if you've gone back and seen all the replays. Bradfield leaves early. He he left thinking the ball was caught, understandably, but the ball just hit the heel of his glove, goes in the air. So he had tagged, quote unquote, but he leaves, but the ball is never secured. So it lands with Stone. He throws it in. They throw to third. And I'm thinking, well, that's a double play because the ball is never secured. They're, that run doesn't count. It's a double play. They're out of the inning. But what they rule is that the ball hit the wall. So they turn a double play because the runners on first and second didn't advance. And that's where they got the outs from John. What did you see? And in the press box, did anybody provide any additional insight with this play? Because I, I felt like they got it wrong on the catch. Am am I incorrect though? Y'all go ahead and send Keith a text because this explanation is going to take longer than the 12 o'clock hour. So y'all are going to have to push also back a little bit, (laughs) (laughs) but okay. So first of all, I learned something this weekend in, in baseball. And I'll, I'll I'll skip, I'll skip part of your question first. Um, The, I didn't realize this, but runners can tag as soon as the ball touches a, a, a position player, the fielder. So when that ball hit off Evan Stone's glove, that's when Bradfield can tag and go score, even though the ball popped up in the air and then was caught after it came down. The runner runners can tag as soon as the ball hits the glove initially. So that, that run would have counted regardless. Um, so I learned that that is uh, that, that was, that was news to me. So I, I picked up a little baseball ruling. Um, and let me, let me interrupt you real quick. Of all the baseball people I know, and I'm one of them, I've never heard of this, ever, in almost 40 years on this earth. And you don't know it. That In almost 40 years on this earth. But I looked it up, and that's <laughs> – you. but you don't ever think about it. you never you seen don't, it. That's, you, yeah, you don't see it. You, you don't see wow. it. So I guess it's to protect um, – uh, I, I guess it's to protect outfielders from – just bobbling things all the way back into the infield or something along those lines. I, I don't know, but it's, it's in there for, for whatever reason. And um, wow. so that, that, that's that part, but to, to, to address the whole rest of the, the play, usually on the field, you will see an umpire either go safe for a hit when it's something that's questionable. If there's a diving attempt made, an umpire right. will go will go safe is is like a hit, or you'll obviously see the out call. I didn't see a single umpire, and I wasn't able to see a replay that showed showed what the umpires were doing. But I didn't see a single umpire make any sort of signal out there. I guess it kind of defaults to a hit, maybe since you're not yelling out. I I don't know, but there was they eventually ruled that on the field the call was hit. So that uh, that Bradfield's run would have scored anyway because of his tag. Um, since it was a hit, quote unquote, since it was a hit, um, they the runners had to advance, but they were both standing back on their base. And, you know, they were off their bases, not tagging up. The guys on first and second weren't tagging up. They were halfway. So R.J. Austin, who was, uh, you know, the hitter on that play, 
he he was credited with a single. He rounded the bag, and but the other two runners went back to their base. So it gave them a, a force out at third base. And then uh, Austin vacated his bag, and South Carolina tagged it. So so he was out there at first for an inning-ending double play. I I thought Stone caught the ball. Dylan Brewer, we talked to after the game, he thought Stone caught the ball. I had a little side conversation with Evan, who I think would be honest with me one way or the other, and and uh, he told me he caught it. So I don't. I I kind of thought he had it. Um, you'll see people arguing, you know, one way or the other. I I kind of thought he had it, but um, you know, it was certainly a wild play. And you know, in the end, it may have worked out best for South Carolina that it uh, it was ruled that way because you know Bradfield would have scored regardless and. And instead of one out with runners on first and second, or, two, or excuse me, two outs with runners on first and second, you were out of the inning. So maybe it worked out best for South Carolina. But, but man, if, if that had been ruled a catch, it's got to be up for catch of the year. Oh, well, and you almost had two when the, the batter rounded first. So, like, the runners were retreating to their previ- to, the, to the previous bag because they thought the ball was caught. Mm-hmm. which to me was the giveaway. Like you said, John, there was no call in the field, but everybody thought the ball was caught. And so, but if they were ruling that it wasn't, how close was the batter and the runner on first to overlapping where that would have been an automatic out anyways? Well, they, and they may have. And, you know, if Austin hadn't vacated that, vacated the base like he had, they may have just ruled it that way that, that uh, the runners, runners crossed. And I, I'm not sure if that's reviewable or not, but, but that, that certainly happened too, and, and that runner would have been been out as well for, for Austin would have been out as well for for that for for yeah. doing that. So you know it would have been a double play either way, but you know it, it ended up being being fine. Well, and and let me be clear, I, I'm not. Uh, this is more of just having a baseball conversation at this point. Like I, I'm not talking about this how this affected the game because I'm trying to remember back in my mind had they crossed in. If they had, if if that ball was live, and they crossed before Bradfield crossed home plate, I don't know what you'd even do there. I guess if you threw it into second and they're they're out, and then he's already crossed, that's two outs, and he hasn't come across home plate. The run doesn't count. I've never seen anything like this. I mean, there was like eight outs on the play technically. In some way, shape, or form, if you really well, wanted to add them all up, I, I, I will. I will say that 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 Kingston was content with how it was ruled on the yeah, field. So, like um, you know, I, I, uh, I, I'm not sure what what if if uh, they had ruled that the the guys had crossed, uh, if how that would have affected the play. Um, but I, Kings Kingston was pleased enough with the outcome, so. You know, we didn't have to uh, to prod him too much on that one. Only at Vanderbilt, for God's sakes. All right, John, so uh, the the staff this week, they get Florida. Florida swing. This is a, kind of a little bit of a different Florida team because uh, they swing it really well. Jack Caglione is one of these strange birds that's being developed in a lab somewhere. You know, you see one of these about every three or four years now, the kid at Louisville, and now this kid's come along, uh, leads the league in home runs. He also throws 400 mile an hour off the mound. Um, Carolina's staff has been uh, criticized certainly for some things. Let's all remember something. They are still second in the league in earn run average at 4.43 in SEC games and I think overall uh, right behind Vandy. And this isn't 10 years ago, John, like uh, four and a half, 
earned run averages now in the SEC are pretty common. Matter of fact, the overall ERA in SEC play is over six when you combine all 14 teams. So pitching is not what it – everybody's throwing hard, but it's not the two and a halfs that we once lived through, right? So you got Florida coming in. Noah Hall's out probably for an extended period of time. Do, do you think that they will go ahead maybe and consider naming or just plugging somebody into that third starter role instead of TBA? Would that help this team with some roles? Like if Eli knows he's starting Saturday, what do you think? Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I certainly think it could, and, and I'm not sure what direction they want to go. Like, I, I know that they wanted to, to use Becker as a, as a weekend starter. You know, he would have been the, the Sunday starter against LSU or the, the third game three starter against LSU. Obviously, they used him as a starter yesterday up in Nashville. But I also think that they want to have some flexibility there with him because of the fact he's their only left-handed pitcher that is is somewhat competent right now. So, you know, I I don't I say that to say I'm not sure if they're going to to name a game three starter because that's what they would like Becker to be. But you know, if they have a chance to use him in a in a different way ahead of time, then you know I, I think they may end up up doing that if they have to. But you know, Eli Jones could do it. James Hicks could do it, depending on how he's used during the week. Um, potentially Eli Jerzenbeck, you feel good about what he did against Vanderbilt. You know, he's had, you know, two or three kind of meltdown moments, uh, you know, but maybe he's passed it. I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's hard to say. Uh, they, I, I agree with you that in, in some ways it would be nice to uh, have kind of that established role, have that established third starter, because I think it will be a while before Noah Hall is, is back. But I, I don't know. And when I say I don't know, I truly don't know. I, I don't know right now if that's what they want to do because I don't know that they know uh, if that's what they want to do right now either. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think in theory, that's probably the way to go. But if you end up needing to use that guy to seal a series or something, you do it. Uh, you bring that old Coach Tanner role, uh, way of doing it, John. Well, why don't we just worry about today, today, and then we'll worry about tomorrow, tomorrow. Um, and kind of see where it goes from there. But um, I don't know what these guys have left on their agenda, but I'll, I'll throw this final one out there, at least from my end. I, it's it's now – I this is when I start to begin focusing on the postseason. Mid to late April, uh, by now you've got a really good glimpse at who's doing what out there, John. And it's really about talking about teams that have a chance to pl- to continue to – maintain their status as a top eight or top 16 type national team, uh, teams that have a chance to play their way in, and then teams that have a chance to play their way out. It, it's April 17th. Where is South Carolina in your mind in that conversation? Oh, right now, if it ended today, I mean, South Carolina is a top eight seed. I mean, they're number two, I, I believe, in the RPI, um, uh, at least the unofficial RPI. Um <laughs> You know, they've they they're they're ten and four in the league. You know, they I mean they're they're a top eight right now. They're a national seed. Now there's still some big tests coming up, obviously, with you know, Florida coming in this week and you know, at at Arkansas here in, in a few weeks and at Kentucky. So there's certainly some big challenges, you know, still out there with teams in the 
top 15 in, in the country. So, you know, that's going to influence what things look like. And as we see week in, week out in that D1 baseball poll, uh, so many of the schools, what, six, seven, I, I haven't even looked at the, the poll this morning, but six, seven schools have been ranked in the top 10 for most of the season. And, you know, they're not going to give six or seven SEC schools national seeds. So, you know, you might get four, you might, but um, so you, you've got to be one of those best four in, in the SEC uh, to, to have a chance. But right now for me, South Carolina's in, in one. Yeah, I, I mentioned a while ago, 18 and 12 in the league probably will do it for you if you win all your midweeks, and they're kind of on pace, so we'll see. Do we leave anything out? Do we miss anything, Dr. Phil? What about you, JC? Everybody, by the way, has been commenting on your hair today, so I'll join in the I, fun. I kind of good. appreciate that. Yeah, I feel yeah, good about it. I feel good about yeah. it today. Yeah. Anything so, else? No, I, 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 I want to know where John's got, got his hat from. Although oh, I don't yeah. wear a hat, it, it makes me feel like I wish my head was smaller so I could wear hats. <laughs> this was uh, for 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 those for those in Columbia so from a place called Clothing World, out uh, off of I twenty. I think it's exit uh, eighty two, uh, Spears Creek Church. Maybe it's right right out there off off of that. It's kind of a um, uh, hunting outfitter kind of place, but they've got a crazy good selection of hats. And, um, you know, this is best from there. I like it. You need to send send them a bill in the mail for that endorsement. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, I, I I will, uh, I'll, I'll I'll try. I'll I'll see what I can get out of it. But y'all aren't getting the cut. (laughs) (laughs) Off I-20, exit 82, hours are 10 to 6. Uh, (laughs) Talk to John in aisle 4, and he'll tell you exactly where to go. It's a hunting store. They better open at 6 (laughs) a.m. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Earlier than that in the fall, that's for sure. (laughs) Oh, man, great stuff, John. Uh, Petri broke smoke's record this weekend, and that I can't believe it but i to his credit i texted smoke the other night when he tied it smoke said i hope he breaks my career record this year i said yeah well that ain't gonna happen <laughs> so from one great gamecock to a, apparently another one uh very much supporting the young man in his quest to, to hit a bunch of dingers he has been something special so pretty yeah. cool. absolutely has been he's been remarkable to watch and and uh you know he's He's doing okay with the outfield thing. You know, I saw him taking some reps over at third base this, this past weekend in batting practice. So, you know, maybe that's maybe that's something you see at, at some point, whether it's this year or, or next year down the road. Um, but but man, he's he's done a heck of a job offensively, that's for sure. And you know, he actually has competition for SEC freshman of the year. I know I know that's crazy to to say, but Charlie Condon is is yeah. just a half a step off him in terms of in terms of offensive numbers and uh, you know, as, as great as Ethan Petrie has been and, and he deserves every bit of praise and, and respect that he gets, you know, Condon's put together a hell of a year too. So it's uh, that, that'll, that'll be nice to follow here for a couple of years. Well, you're, you're I a hundred percent agree with you. There's no doubt. Um, his numbers are outstanding. The Condon kid game cautious need to keep winning and that'll help Petrie probably win that award because I think we can honestly say right now they ain't close to thirty and six without Ethan Petrie. So a hundred percent, and you know he's he's a yeah he's a huge reason for this. Like I I had South Carolina with a pretty decent mark in terms of record up to this point, but I wasn't really factoring in Ethan Petrie, you know, being anywhere close to what he is. I mean, he's 
really helped to elevate, you know, what this team has been. And, and uh, you know, he, he wasn't in my opening day starting lineup, my projection, but he obviously <laughs> wasn't in Mark Kingston's either. <laughs> he, he didn't start the first two games. So, uh, you know, he came in and, and got some hits off the bench and, and uh, has done remarkable. What you do is remarkable too. Thanks, man. We really do appreciate it. you're the best in the business at Cumber and the Gamecocks, no doubt. Yeah, absolutely appreciate you guys. Thanks for having me. There you go, John. Thanks, well, yeah, JC, uh, I guess you got to give him a bump in pay this week. We kept him 10 minutes too long. Ah, yeah, he'll forgive us. He'll Is forgive it us. in his contract? You can, ah, you, that's I, in actually, the fine print. He can build that I, out I, for this. I, I don't think I've read John's contract in a long time. I, actually, just, he's I don't think you got to worry about paying him a penny. Clothing World is on the line for about 1500 bucks. There's about oh, yeah. But he 100, just, he, 100 Gamecocks are like, so, wow. All right. Swiped our guy there. Yeah. I so, 20? Anyway, it was pre planned. Me and John have already cut a deal with them. You know? <laughs> sure. I, I'm the one. I, yeah. I'm the type. I, I'll frequent the hunting store on I 20. Hey, man, I used to, uh, me and my roommates used to go to Sportsman's Warehouse every chance we got. Any money we had, it was gone by the time we left there. We'd leave there and go right across the street to Greens, (laughs) back home. Yeah. All right, we got to go to break. Uh, Dr. Phil is uh, itching to hit that commercial button. It's 11.51, hang tight, hour one. We'll wrap up when we return. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you want. If you're looking for a karaoke partner, I can tell you, I can't carry a tune in a bucket. But what I do have is a very specific set of skills. Hang up now, and your IT nightmares will continue. But stay on the line, and I will find you. And when I find you, I will fix it. Um, thanks. Uh, I think I have the wrong number. I'm trying to call Matt at Heritage Digital. He has a one price, low cost turnkey solution for all my IT needs. And I'm sick and tired of my IT guy. So yeah, 843-699-1001. This is 1002. Oh, well, thanks anyway. Don't be taken by some IT dude that talks a big game. Give Matt at Heritage Digital a call, 843-699-1001. Gamecock Nation, JB here, and I'm here to tell you about my new favorite painting company, A Couple of Painters. These guys are the best. Gamecock fans and excellent painters are by far the best and easiest quote I've received. They're licensed in both South Carolina and Georgia. They offer 10% off for military, repeat customers, or if you heard it on the show, commercial and residential painting, deck, fence, and cabin staining, cabinet and furniture refinishing. They'll even remove popcorn ceilings and wallpaper, and they offer pressure washing. Find them on Facebook or call 803-522-6832. A couple of painters, proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Golfers and wannabe golfers, former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor is now a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina. In-person golf lessons are held at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course nine or 18 holes. And if you're outside of South Carolina, Meredith conducts virtual lessons. Just send in your golf swing for analysis. Gift cards are available for in-person one-hour lessons. Connect on Twitter at Mayor Taylor and find her online at McKellarEnterprises.org. Her email is on the website. Schedule your next lesson today with Meredith Taylor, former Gamecock golfer. You're tuned into Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Sideline is picked off. Brad Edwards will get a convoy. Touchdown, South Carolina. Let's take a conservation first. 
Welcome back, everybody, to Inside the Gamecocks, the show presented to you by Express Sunrooms of Columbia. And, of course, of course, the first hour of the show is brought to you by Cindy Searfoss and the Colwell Banker Kane Realty Team here in the Upstate. 864-414-5271 is how to get in touch with Cindy for your Upstate residential real estate needs. And, guys, I actually want to jump into the iHelp Consulting mailbag right quick. And all of oh. you to join us in the I Help Consulting Mailbag, just send us an email at insidethegamecocks at gmail.com or tweet us and uh, at thebigspur.com. But anyway, John comes in talking about the weekend, spring game, JB, JC, Phil. Been a while since I've been able to reach out to you guys. Love the addition of JB to the show. Hats off to you, Mr. Bradford. I got to take my son Jack to the spring game this past weekend. It was his first time going to williams Bryce in his first football game, period. The atmosphere was amazing, and he said it was the best day of his life. Thanks to all the Gamecocks out there for making it a special day. As always, love the show. Keep up the great work. And I bring that up because we saw a picture of JB and his girls walking into yeah. the stadium on Twitter this weekend. So just to tie it all together, yeah, it's all about family, man. It really it was, is. Uh, it was pretty. I don't. I try not to make anything ever about me. It was really all about them, and um, it was pretty neat. Yeah, I was. Uh, I was having a. It sounds kind of strange to say things like that, you know. It's just a football stadium, you know, but not really. Um, I was walking up that holding Hannah, my daughter's hand. Riley was right behind me, and and I was thinking to myself. Hope I don't see anybody that recognizes me because I've had tears and all that type of stuff. So it was neat, and uh, hope can't wait to get them back in there this fall for a real game. Uh, but they certainly enjoyed it, and they enjoyed uh, Mr. Patrick and Mr. Michael playing their songs <laughs> and uh, coming over to give them hugs. And they were high fiving Brewer and Garcia and those guys before, so they were they were little celebrities running around out there before we even got in. But it was it was really really neat, really neat stuff. So. Awesome. And congratulate you said his name was Bill. John. John oh John. I, I feel like uh I feel like the guy from uh Christmas vacation. Give me that report, Bill. Yeah, that's right. Uh, um but um yeah, John, hats off to you and your son, man. That's awesome. Uh first the first time I remember I believe it or not, I remember my first time Williams Bryce. I was about five, so it was I remember I was, thinking uh, wow, this is it. Shoot, I was about to turn, let's see, 76, 83, 83, so I was six, uh, Southern, no, sorry, did not go to the Southern Cal game, went to the Notre Dame game that year. Uh, Gamecocks lost 30 to six at home to the Irish and then went to South Bend the next year and won, of course, but that was my first game at Williams Bryce. First game overall was the 79 Hall of Fame Bowl against Missouri and luxurious Legion Field in Birmingham. It was raining. Uh, picked, stuck my head out of my parents' or my mom's raincoat. Uh, but that was, uh, yeah, 83 was the first home game. Did not make another home game until 89. Oh, wow. 89. Yeah. That was uh, my next home game. I went, my parents would go. Uh, but 89, uh, yeah, I went to all of them and then started going to most of them. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's, 
that's the great thing about Carolina football and Carolina sports, man. It is about family. And that's, um, to me, that's more valuable long-term, you know, when you look at life and championships and all that, of course, it's always nice to celebrate championships with family, right? <laughs> um, and uh, wins yeah. over Clemson, as we all know, that's, that's a big one, but, uh, Certainly was heartwarming to read that email, which I did over the weekend. And also, JB, uh, on a personal level, to see those pictures, man. It, it, I kind of got a little lump in the old throat myself when I saw it. <laughs> yeah. <there's, laughs> well, that's uh, that's uh, my wife would be thrilled about that. I'll have to fix that during uh, the, during the break and see if I can't get better. <laughs> I'm like, okay, who's taking this picture? About how about this picture of Williams Bryce? I was talking about it, Williams We had a slideshow malfunction, but uh, anyway, yeah. sorry. sorry about that, Gary. But that was uh, sorry, that was good. All right, so yeah, Bill. Bill said. Whittle was set at Spears Creek Church, Spears Creek Road, or whatever. It's off Percival. All those, all those roads. I used to live around there. Uh, all those roads kind of run together. Something right there that uh, the the Clemson Road area of I twenty in Columbia. But uh, it's uh, yeah. So so Bill corrected yeah. Whittle there. It's Percival, but it's called it's called Clothing World. Clothing World. A heck of a name. Clothing. Clothing world. clothing world. Welcome to clothing world. Ah, there we go. That's a better picture. There we go. There's there. Yeah. My goodness. Great reaction. Yep, they were fired up. We actually sat in our actual seats. Uh, cool. I wanted to see if they could, how they would do thirty rows up, and did fine. Nice. Of course, about uh, after halftime or right around halftime, Dad, are we still staying in a hotel room tonight? Yeah, we're going to. They love hotels, man. That's what it's all about. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Little ones love hotels. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We going to the. When are we going to the hotel? I'm like, we're. we're they bounce going. up on the bed. Like, yeah, my my niece, my niece loved it at Disney. She was. Yeah. Claimed, claimed her spot as hotel? soon as she got there. You know. <laughs> I want to live in a hotel. <laughs> okay, well, that'd be nice. Okay. Just make sure I, it's I, a uh, yeah. I'd take the maid service every day. That's what, that's the only thing I would really, I'd be like, yeah, if somebody come in and clean all my stuff up. (laughs) Some some of these hotels, I mean, like the one we were in the Hilton this weekend and, you know, they have the little tag in there now that says, if you're staying multiple days and you'd like, you know, guest services, it's by recommend or request only. Like, man, what happened to the days where they used to, you'd, you'd leave for the day and then you come back and everything cleaned up for you. COVID changed all that. COVID got everybody lazy. Uh, They're just trying to save money. Exactly. Putting towels in the floor every day. I want a fresh, clean towel. That's part of this experience. (laughs) You son of a bitch. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Where's my towel? Where's my towel? Over 40 courses to play in two states. Travelingcountryclub.com. Gamecock owned and operated. If you haven't joined, my neighbor just joined. Matter of fact, he was telling me the other day, he goes, dude, let's go to Santee. I was like, let's do it. Travelingcountryclub.com. You can play from the mountains to the beach. I'm telling you, if you play golf or know somebody that does, this is where you want to go. Check out the website. You'll be very, very glad you did. Travelingcountryclub.com. All right, hour one in the books. Keith Allsep leads off hour two when we return. What's up, Gamecock fans? This is Pitcher Noah Hall. If you want some delicious food for your event, I suggest visiting 
nanasporch.com today to find out what they all have to offer. It's really good southern cuisine based out of Charlotte, my hometown. I hope you guys go check it out. Go Cox and go Nanas. Are you looking to buy a new home? Kevin O'Connell with Union Home Mortgage is a local mortgage expert and Gamecocks fan servicing North and South Carolina. Whether you're buying a home, building your dream home with new construction, or turning your equity into cash, UHM's world-class service will ensure you find the perfect mortgage to achieve your home ownership goals. Call Kevin at 803-906-0244 or visit UHM.com today. Union Home Mortgage is an equal housing lender. NMLS 2229 LONMLS 1772182. Electric Bikes of Charleston offers the most fun you'll ever have on two wheels. The home of Oventon, Velotric, Magnum Bikes, and more, they sell to consumers all across the state and offer outstanding warranties and service after the sale. Their electric bikes are equipped with five levels of pedal assist plus a throttle so you can ride longer, handle the heat better, but still get great exercise. Bikes are available for all ages and sizes. Visit electricbikescharleston.com or stop into their store in Mount Pleasant if you're in the low country. Electric Bikes of Charleston, powering inside the Gamecocks, the show. Welcome to TravelingCountryClub.com, your modern golf club experience. Hey folks, this is Michael Manis, former Gamecock golfer, inviting you to play more golf with a membership to TravelingCountryClub.com. With over 40 courses across the Carolinas, our membership provides you with an affordable way to enjoy a club-like golf experience. From the mountains to the coast, we offer golf courses that will challenge all types of golfers, no matter your handicap level or level of play. Plus, we offer unique membership benefits not seen anywhere else as part of Traveling Country Club. In July, we're excited to bring you the third annual Plunder on Polly's two-day golf tournament with rounds played at Caledonia and True Blue Golf Courses in the heart of Polly's Island. Head to TravelingCountryClub.com to register for that event. And it is not exclusive to TCC members, but to become one, you can sign up and bring to life your golf game. Tee it up with Traveling Country Club, TravelingCountryClub.com, TravelingCountryClub.com, proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. This is Zachary Davis from Carolina Hoops, and you're watching the show with JB, JC, and Phil. Go Cox. Welcome back, everybody, to Inside the Gamecocks, the show presented to you by Express Sunrooms of Columbia. John Barber and his team would love to take your call at 803-446-4662 or shoot them an email, johnb at expresssunrooms.com. Talk about how they can bring some more sunshine into your life this summer. And joining us now on the McKellar Enterprises guest line, don't forget, as it gets warmer, you tighten up that swing, want somebody to take a look at it who actually knows what they're doing. Get in touch with Meredith Taylor, McKellarEnterprises.org. She'll set up a virtual. Actually, she can do virtual swing lessons, all that stuff. Or yeah. you can meet her in person. Go play a few rounds with her on you the both. course. But Keith also, uh, Gamecock Pod Daily, Gamecock Pod Live, of course, Wednesdays, right after our show on YouTube. Keith, what'd you think? Uh, what were your initial thoughts coming out of the spring game? I don't think we're going to win a game. It was awful. (laughs) (laughs) Doom and gloom. (laughs) It was terrible. Um, Look, I don't think there's a whole lot you can really take out of these things. I didn't particularly pay much attention to the schemes on offense. 
JC and I had talked about this even prior to spring practice that because of the lack of depth at the edge position and because of the versatility of guys like Elijah Davis and Tonka Hemingway and Boogie Huntley and because of the bigger guys you have now, like Jamal Weiss, like Xavier McLeod, that you could play three of those guys at one time and then have one edge guy playing like a buck and it would be a four, three, three, four type of deal. And I thought that's what we saw on defense. I really like Elijah Davis. The main thing I paid attention to was personnel, right? Like on offense, it's easy to see South Carolina is really improved at the tight end position with Trey Knox and Joshua Simon. Um, I thought the Kyrian Joyner had a couple of really nice runs. There were a couple of runs I would like to see him stick it up inside instead of bouncing it outside. Um, I like Eddie Lewis. I think he is going to be a great addition. Uh, to the roster at wide receiver. I mean, we already know Juice Wells, Xavier Leggett, and Amari and Brown. You know, unfortunately, you had that injury to Jalen Nichols, and I think we're all kind of holding our breath on that. Um, I thought Spencer Rattler looked well. I like the fact they dialed one up right off the bat for him and for Lenore Sellers. I think both to Eddie Lewis – and uh, unfortunately, you know, both of them were over they, the quarterbacks over uh, through him. But I think there's a lot of really interesting personnel uh, that I liked on both sides of the football. I'm with you there on, um, yep. you know, uh, was it? you made a point that I would the carry on sticking it up inside. And hopefully that'll come in time because – I thought when he did commit to following the hole on the inside, he was fine running between the tackles. I mean, he looked like a normal running back out there. Um, I, Keith, we we talked about uh, we talked about the linebackers a lot here, I, and uh, I thought Stone Blanton inside the box looked significantly better, like more comfortable, more instinctive. I mean, I don't know about him totally sideline to sideline yet. I didn't really see a whole lot of that. Thought he looked good. Thought Pup Howard flew around pretty well. Thought Ben Martin Scott made some plays. Um, it was encouraging uh, for me at, at that spot uh, for the most part on Saturday night. What were your thoughts about the linebackers? So just watching the game, as I went through, I made notes on players. I, I thought Stone Blanton looked leaner. He did look quicker more decisive, and I, I really thought Bam Martin Scott looked leaner and more decisive and quicker. And so I really like those guys. JC, I just feel like Pup Howard is going to outgrow the linebacker position. He's 6'4", 245 pounds. That cat's probably going to be 255. I mean, if they're going to play – three down with a, a buck standing up, 
I mean, I don't know. Maybe he fools me, but a long history of guys that are, you know, when South Carolina started recruiting him, and when he committed to South Carolina, he was 6'3", 215 pounds. Everybody thought he was going to be a linebacker. And he shows up, and by the you know end of January, he's 6'4", 242 pounds. And so to me, that's one thing I'm really looking for. Clearly, South Carolina still has their eyes on adding a linebacker in the transfer portal. Um, and so we'll just have to see. But I like him. He's a football player. I don't know where he's going to play, but Pub Howard is definitely an SEC football player. So is Jalen Kilgore. Um, I mean, that's all. That's like one of my two or three favorite guys in the class. But when you look at the defense, I think you have to take a very measured approach because Jordan Strong is going to be a starter. Mo Kaba will likely be a starter. David Spalding is going to be a starter. Tonka Hemingway is going to be a starter. And so that meant you essentially had seven starters out there split among two teams, just like the offensive line. You didn't have Nick Gargiulo and Brashawn Lee on the same team. That was split up, and I think that's why uh, – I just don't think South Carolina has two offensive lines right now. I do think reinforcements are on the way uh, when the big tree and Jatavius Shivers and Trevon Ball come in this summer. And then certainly they may top that with this class. You know, Josiah Thompson committed on Friday. That gives you your three in-state guys. I think South Carolina is probably the favorite for Mike Williams. And so South Carolina is really recruiting well in the trenches. And so Jalen Nichols goes out and then you don't have Ja'Kai Moore. And then you have your other guys split up. And so, again, I'm looking more at personnel rather than scheme. But there's no denying Lenora Sellers has the it factor and I don't think South Carolina has had a quarterback like him. 6'3", 232 pounds, it's 4'4", in the 40. And I don't know, almost a half a year of college credits from high school, 4.9 GPA and a tremendous work ethic. I just think the sky's the limit for that guy, and he put it on display because they let him run live and throw it. And I just think he's going to do nothing but continue to get better and better and better. You know, I, I want to kind of add to this um, this defense, the conversation on the defense, Keith, because one of the things, one of the things that I, I w- I'm like, I'm with you. I, I, I just don't get too hyped up on results of a spring game or anything like that. I I like seeing the things that just the common eyeball test stuff. What do they look like getting off the bus? What do some of these young guys look like? Did anybody get hurt? For the most part, no. We'll see what happens with Nichols, you know, those type things. But then 
you know, you're kind of always paying attention to see, at least I am, okay, is there somebody, like, generally we're the guys who know every number on the field, right? And I, I'm one of, like, when I sit in my seats, people are like, dude, who's number so-and-so? Who's number so-and-so? So in the spring game, I always look for the guy that I don't know. And I'm like, who the hell is this guy? Turns out it was Brian Thomas. We saw him play last year. Uh, don't want to say that he was forgotten because he wasn't. But I, he just wasn't on my radar somebody I was going to be really focused in on. I, you just mentioned Sellers and Joyner and all these other guys. That's who I was really looking for. But So I started kind of watching him. And, and I mentioned this this morning with Bill and Preston, and I want to make sure this isn't taken out of context. But, but I was watching him play and run around, and I was like, he, the way he plays – reminds me of Eric Norwood, but I I don't want to compare anybody to Eric Norwood because he's Eric Norwood. But what did you watch him at all? And, and if you did, am I am I off by saying something like that? So I thought that was one of the guys, you know, I was paying attention to him, Terrell Dawkins, guys like that that were coming off the edge. I still think Donovan Westmoreland's got to be a linebacker. I think he's a situational uh, DPR, designated pass rusher. But I thought Brian Thomas looked like he's taken a step. He looks quicker, more explosive, more sudden coming off the edge. He still does not have the ideal size. But if he's playing standing up with – Tonka Hemingway, Boogie Huntley, and I don't know, T.J. Sanders or Nick Barrett or Xavier McLeod or Jamal Weish or a transfer portal guy playing inside. I think that really helps him, and I think that gives him a chance to be, you know, kind of a hybrid outside linebacker pass rusher. Yeah. And I thought he did look better. I really like Elijah Davis, and I still think he's got to get in shape. He He's really sudden and violent and quick off the ball. But if he lost 15 pounds, I think, which he does have that to lose around the midsection, I think he definitely could be a defensive end. And there was one play, my man is Xavier McLeod, who I'm telling you, this guy is going to be like one of these big Georgia defensive linemen. You look at him, he's not fat. He's lean at 6'5", 325, okay? That dude gets off the ball. I don't think South Carolina's ever had a guy that big that gets off the ball like he does. And there's a lot of names in that defensive tackle room, but I'm telling you right now, Xavier McLeod's coming for somebody's playing time. I don't disagree with that. I, I, oh, JC, uh, you had you've mentioned this a lot, and I've heard it too. We, we don't, we won't know until the fall, obviously, but. Keith just mentioned a minute ago specifically to Brian Thomas, but he also threw another couple of names around who seem to be, I don't want to call them tweeners, but but, but very versatile guys. And uh, and they're they're going to sign an end in the portal. Who that's going to be, I don't know. Maybe maybe they'll sign two. Who knows? Um, but you've mentioned, 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, hopefully they sign, you know, the stud of all studs, but we don't know. But, JC, you've mentioned as it stands today, there is a chance that their best defense could be more in a 3-4 type defense to get more playmakers on the field. And they have a lot of those tweener type guys that you can kind of do that with. Like, did you, in watching Saturday, I'll let you and Keith kind of go back and forth on this. I'll step back. But just to introduce the conversation, did y'all see with with that type of talent that was out there of what we saw that that could be a possibility now that we actually got to see a couple quarters of it? Yeah, especially with Eliza Davis and Brian Thomas and, and what they did. And I agree with Keith. I mean, if you could get some weight off this guy, uh, keep in mind there's a measurement out there of him at 6'3", 262. He gets to campus 6'3", 285. I'm not a mathematician or anything, but you, you kind of throw that together and you're like, well, he did gain some bad weight getting in here when you combine that with what Beamer said and, frankly, the eyeball test. So if you can get him on the edge, I mean, that's something. He And at 260, he can do an edge in a four-man front. Um, as far as the three-man front stuff goes, people have to keep in mind, too, that's in the playbook. And, and I'd say probably Clayton White runs that kind of stuff the last couple of years 10 15% of the time. Um, it's a lot like uh, it, it's not taught and it installed and assignment-wise, it's not like Muschamp's defense, but it looks like Muschamp's defense if you're just looking um, with some of the odd front stuff they do in the standing up. And they do. I mean, everybody from Pup Howard to Bam Martin Scott to Jerron Willis to, uh, you know, not Mo Caba necessarily, but, uh, you know, uh, and, then, uh, and then Jordan Strawn and Brian Thomas and, there's a lot of guys that in that linebacker room and in that edge at that edge position, and then at tackle too, uh, that can kind of hanker down. I mean, Boogie Huntley and and Taka Hemingway in a three four at the quote unquote end spots, they're tailor made for it, you know. And we talk about Pup Howard. Um, I'm not ready to move him yet, but I'm not saying he's wrong. I, I it just kind of depends on how he grows. He could end up being it could be like a Travian Robertson or Melvin Ingram think Travian spent the first year uh, actually starting at end, I think before he got hurt and then moved inside and was fine. Melvin Ingram's a linebacker, moved inside was fine. Or it could be like Jasper Brinkley or, or Brandon Spikes or that the litany of kids that have been at Alabama, they're these big 240-pound linebackers that just stay there. Uh, but in a 3-4 like that, a guy like Pup, you can use him different ways. You know, one, one play standing up, next play is Will Anderson. I mean, you know, it's uh, – uh, so I think it's smart of the staff to, to do that. I mean, there's more than one way to skin a cat. I think people around here are, are always wanting, are always going to want to go with a four-man front with big, tall, tree-looking Desmond Umia Zulu type defense. Because <laughs> that's what was here during the Spurrier era and the Ellis Johnson. They were really good. But I'll also remind everybody, you know, Charlie Strong had a pretty good defense when he was here, and he ran three three five. Uh, Joe Lee Dunn, nobody was complaining about his defense at the time. The Black Death, that was a straight, what was it? It was a 3 2 six, 3 was that a three three five as well, Keith? A 50, I guess? It was a three-man odd front. Yeah, it was a, it was a 50. Yeah, and, and I think people, because of the Muschamp era, because of Lorenzo Ward mysteriously moving to a 3-4 uh, before 2014 and having one of the worst defenses in the history of the program, they're, they're sort of leery of that. But, but look, I'll tell you this right now. Lorenzo Ward did not have the defensive lineman to run that. He didn't have – I mean, no, he, he didn't had have JT Barrett, 
nose tackle and the Dixon splitting him and uh, that needed to, that didn't need to happen. You know, South Carolina does have Keith mentioned McLeod. If you're going to go more three man front, a golden opportunity for him because he's that bigger body. Nick Barrett, golden opportunity for him. Uh, and, and like I said, Boogie and Tonka are the type of defensive tackles. They're they're just a tiny bit undersized. They're not undersized. They're a tiny bit, but their quickness is what makes them good. And so you spread, you kind of put them in that kind of situation. They could be very effective. So that's my take on that. Am I guaranteeing they're going to play more? Yeah, we'll see what happens in the portal. You know, with that, um, and hopefully they get the personnel to the point where they just do like they normally do and mix it all up. But I, I do think that's something that has to be considered and. You know, it's not that dramatic of a departure because it is in the playbook, and, and they do run some of that already. I mean, not to mention T.J. Sanders and DeAndre Martin. Right. Both yep. of those guys are, you know, 6'6", 300-pound guys that I think both could play the five technique. So I do think there's a lot of versatility. Um, I guess another guy that – didn't play because of injury that I was really looking forward to seeing. And I still think you have to put a star by this guy's name or an asterisk and say whatever you get is a bonus. But I would really like to see D'Angelo Gibbs as well, uh, just like Desmond Mumiazulu, and we didn't see him. Um, I've also heard really good things about Judge Collier. And this is another guy in the mold of D, of uh, DQ Smith and Nick Eamonwari that was not heavily recruited, that did not have a lot of Power 5 offers. He played at a charter school. Okay, he didn't play at South Point or Northwestern. But he's quietly come in and been very productive, and the staff has been very high on him. And I think that's another guy in the secondary that has a very bright future. And then you're going to add several guys this summer, including, according to Clayton White, Jalen Kilgore, or I'm sorry, Bakari Swain, who I still think is a wide receiver. He's going to be a corner. And um, I know they're very high on him as well. And so I just think this staff continues to upgrade the roster. And, you know, I still wouldn't be surprised if they don't add another wide receiver between now and the time summer school starts in June or July. And, I mean, we'll just see what the transfer portal holds for South Carolina. There's a, I didn't realize it opened on April the 15th. I thought it was May the 1st. And, yeah, yeah. man, my mentions, I got like the transfer portal – on my mentions on Twitter, you know, on alert, and it's like just going yeah. berserk. I got <laughs> busted with that too because I originally said the fifteenth because I remember I remember the change, and then I guess the NCAA and all their wisdom did not update their website or one of their websites, and so it, it, it was it went back to, to the end of April, then went back to the fifteenth. So. Uh, but yeah, the good news is if you're talking, if you're worried about South Carolina outbound guys in the portal or anybody with significance, the good news is it's a tight squeeze. 
Now, if you're looking for inbound guys, that's the other bad news. It's, it's, or that's the bad news. It's a tight squeeze. So we'll know way more about this roster in two weeks than we do right now. Yeah. Hey, so one, one walk-on I want to mention that I really like is DJ Black. And that's a guy JC and I have been talking about since, you know, he became a preferred walk-on. He had, you know, several scholarship offers not the power five schools. I mean, this is a guy that is like 10, six in the hundred meters. And he's a, a big dude, maybe six, two, one ninety, one ninety five. And so, you know, we'll just have to see what happens there, but that's, that's one guy that can really move. And so is judge Collier. Well, you know, Keith, to something you said earlier, um, just about a lot of the talent, the upgrade and the upgrades on this roster and things like that, I was very lucky to be able to spend substantial time before the game with a over at the Letterman's Club. And I'll put it this way, somebody who was very influential, who used to play here, and uh, I would say when his opinion matters, he, he jokingly looked at me and said, you know what we got in that building over there? And I said, he was talking to talking about uh, the, the Spurrier indoor building. And I said, what? I thought something new, like some type of new something, you know, another freaking movie theater or something. He goes, we got football players. And I said, yeah, I know that. He goes, no, no, we have like real football players. There's a <laughs> bunch of football players on this roster. And and that's what Shane has been. There, that's kind of been a part of their. My understanding of this is, yeah, he's a really good player, but does he love football or not? Because we need guys in here that love the game. And uh, it sounds to me like a lot of these kids that they have signed, while they are signing elite players at, at, a, at an alarming rate right now, and it's about to only get better. Uh, they also signed a bunch of guys. You mentioned Kilgore, Kilgore earlier, Keith. You mentioned Vicari Swain. There's a bunch of guys. When we look last year, DQ Smith and Eamon Worry and just all these dudes who seem to be blue collar, and they just get out there and they bust rear end and they just love football. And when those are your three star guys, you probably start feeling pretty good about your football team. And I mean, I got to say, guys, I've been following recruiting for probably 40 years, over 40 years. I've never seen a list of visitors like was in Columbia on Saturday where you have multiple five-star guys across multiple classes. And it ain't the only time or the first time uh, or the last time that these guys plan on being on campus. And, um, you know, I just – you know, take my hat off to Taylor Edwards, Shane Beamer, and that entire staff for what they're doing right now on the recruiting trail. And, I mean, that Gamecock walk for a spring game, I mean, it looked like it might as well have been mid-October, Jamie. And yeah, uh, it was cool. I mean, I couldn't tell that there were 51,000 people there. <laughs> I don't know. You, you, you were there, but – um, oh, sure there were. Let, let's just say there was at least 51,000 there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that team in the upstate had how many? 50,000? Exactly. 
50, exactly like fifty thousand. And we have fifty one on the dot. So uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. It's amazing how that works, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Carolina's not been shy about poking the bear since that game, man. I hope I they've been poking that bear pretty pretty good with their social media department. So. Why why not? I agree. I agree. Why not? Uh, they've had enough. There's you know, it's, it's enough. Dis- <laughs> you know? The uh, the avalanche of disrespect that has come hey. from up there the last ten years. You, you know, know when, when, when your when your representatives are are you know shadow of mom's basement and those type idiots that just can't wait to tweet at everybody all the time, they deserve it. So they're going to keep getting it. You know, it's, it's awesome. I don't get on there and say stuff because I don't want to have to deal with it. You know, they just they keep coming and they send you these nasty grams in your inbox about. You know, hoping you're, you're you know, say yeah. things about your kids and stuff like that. And it makes me sick to my stomach. So I've seen it. But uh, they deserve it because that's all they've done for the last few years. But I got bad news for them. Times have changed. I think it's like two guys that are probably similar to how the Vandy Whistlers were growing up that do live in their mom's basement and they have oh, like yeah. 15 different accounts. Shadow of mom's basement. He lives in. I'm, yeah, I, I, think, I think that's probably like the personality type is the Whistler, the Whistler yeah. type. Just punchable faces and everything, you know. I'd rather have the Whistler than Shadow of Mom's Basement. That guy is such a twerp. Hey, like, so so let me let me ask you this: When's the last time there was a top fifty or sixty guy out of the state of Georgia? I'm just gonna call him the King, King Joseph Edwards. Oh, <laughs> defensive yeah. end, tight end. Georgia's all over him. Okay, I mean he's he maybe he's probably going to Georgia. But how about after he comes back for like the third time this year to the spring game, that he says I'm going to be back many times before my official visit in June. Yeah. Yeah, I like that kid. I think I think here's the thing that I I also know he he he's one that regardless of where he ends up, you, you sort of appreciate sometimes guys that handle it this way. He, he, he says good things about every school he goes to. He's real respectful um, about the different schools. I know uh, even like Texas and Oklahoma, uh, he, he says some nice things about those guys, but I, I also, here's the difference though. The Gamecocks have had the, him and a group of guys from Georgia since they were like ninth graders coming over. He's kind of part of that group that they got in on the staff got on extremely early. So I think there's longevity there. I, I know that Justin Green went to Georgia for their game, and uh, that's going to be a tough one to pull. But I think if it weren't for the Georgia offer with with them, Carolina would be at the top. Um, and look, ask you know we just talked about Clemson Cle- recruiting in Georgia at a high level is kind of keeping their recruiting up right now, if you kind of look at the guys they've actually gotten. Um, and so for South Carolina to continue to do well there on top of getting the guys from in-state, on top of being in good position to at least get a couple out of North Carolina and Virginia, on top of what they're doing the DMV, uh, they're now, they've now decided to roll into Mississippi and try to get guys. <laughs> and they're in uh, first place for Daniel Hill for Meridian. Now, I think I think he likes the fact the game going to play him at running back. I think Alabama wants him as a backer. But uh, you know, you, you get a kid out of Meridian, Mississippi, that Alabama offers for to 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 carry the water. 
that's 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 saying something about your your reach. So I I I think you know Carolina and Georgia specifically to get back to the point, they're doing exactly what they need to do in that state, uh, and it's almost. I thought Muschamp got Georgia recruiting in Georgia that he cleaned it up. Uh, most of the guys he took made sense. Most of the guys he took that could play, unlike the Spurs, took a lot of guys they shouldn't have. He cleaned it up. Uh, and what surprised me is, you know, I, I thought it made sense because Muschamp has all the connections in that state, et cetera, et cetera, so does staff. But but this guy's almost built on top of it. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're almost getting a – they're getting the right guys, but they're almost getting a higher quality of the right guys uh, out of Georgia and uh, – in that state, you know, uh, many of the best players in the history of the program, Connor Shaw, Sterling Sharp, George Rogers, are all from Georgia. So it's an absolutely uh, pivotal, pivotal state for the Gamecocks. And that that's maybe something with all the DMV talk and the in-state talk we haven't talked about enough is how they're doing in the Peach State, Keith. I mean, I agree. I mean, you look at the 2025 corner out of Atlanta that's been committed to Ohio State. I mean, I, I think that one, you know, John Tay Gilbert is a name to watch. I mean, normally I don't pay attention to 2025 or 2026 guys. I'm, I'm more concerned about the guys that are coming in this year simply because of the transfer portal and everything else. I mean, that's really the most important thing, but, you know, certainly geography – Help South Carolina. It's a three-hour trip across I-20 from Atlanta uh, versus all the way up to Columbus, Ohio, particularly when you get into November and December and then, you know, until April. It's uh, a lot colder up there. And, look, the Torian Gray factor, I think, is going to allow – South Carolina to go all over the country if they want to and expand their footprint when it comes to defensive backs because that guy probably is the best defensive backs coach in the country. And look what he's done with guys like Carlins Patel and uh, the walk-on from transfer from Burns to Gardner Webb, who became an All American, and you know this year, Rush and Smith and Eamon Worry and DQ Smith, what they did as freshmen, and then just the development factor with Marcella Style and O'Donnell Fortune and others, and I think you know next it's going to be Jalen Kilgore. And Judge Collier, I think those are the next two names. Yeah, that's what he's. That's a great thing about him, and why I think he's perfect for South Carolina because he's got a long track record of yeah of, of coaching some highly rated guys like Kendall Fuller and all, some guys he had at Virginia Tech, some guys he had at Florida. I mean, the, the the best prospects, and he can make those guys better and get them to the next level. But he also can find a guy. Maybe nobody else wants and evaluate him and then coach him up again. The next. So he's almost like, uh, you know, some guys are either or. You know, Ron Cooper, I thought, was an or. Great at finding guys, coaching them up, but, you know, probably not going to get you in the door with, the you know, Vernon Hargraves or somebody like that. 
this guy can do both. And I, I think at South Carolina where, hey, look, you're not always going to sign four or five-star cornerbacks in the class or four, four blue chips. Uh, and you got the in-state factor. This state seems to put out under the radar DBs like it's nobody's business. It's, it's just a perfect fit, uh, I think. And, and so I'm, I'm in complete agreement with Keith there that I think, you know, as time continues to roll on, you know, you're going to have guys from all over that are highly interested in playing for Tory Gray simply because of the track record that, hey, it doesn't matter what kind of skill set you have, he can get you there. All right. <laughs> this segment is gone for 38 minutes, folks. we got to get a break. So, yeah. Keith, thank you for your insight. Great stuff. JC, Jamie, Phil, you guys have a magnificent rest of the week. Happy right, uh, happy spring is over and just baseball season for a while to you, my friend. It is baseball season, regular season winding down, and the playoffs are on the way. Yeah, man. Came out right. Thanks, Keith. All right. Have a good one, bud. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right, as All we right. mentioned, we got to get, get a break. Got a lot in the Nana Sports chat box, including some things about Bill King uh, that I can answer. And uh, Cynical Aries needs to buy another T-shirt from the store. Uh, so that and some other stuff coming up under these messages. If you're in the upstate of South Carolina and are in need of residential real estate services, Cindy Bass, Sear Fossil, Caldwell, Banker, Kane is for you. Ask her about the village at Creekside all of her listings in my hometown of Spartanburg, South Carolina, right there on Daniel Morgan Avenue, married to a lifelong Gamecock fan. And many of our listeners have already bought homes from her and been 100% satisfied with the detail and care she uses. Cindy Searfoss, 864-414-5271. Caldwell Banker Kane in the upstate for your real estate needs. Cool Joe, will you? And when I'm not eating average jambalaya or celebrating endless summer in Destin, I like to eat pimento cheese straight off the bucket. Mmm. And the only pimento cheese I like to eat is from Nana's Porch. It's award-winning. It'll melt in your mouth. It's good on a cracker. It's good in a bowl. It's good on a piece of bread. Also, don't forget Nana's Porch has a hell of a food truck. It's award-winning as well. And they're here for all of your catering needs. So get online. Nana'sPorch.com. It's mm-mm good. Coach O signing off. In the summer, go Tiger. The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama. Columbia and go Hey man, are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Yes, he takes forever to call me back and doesn't always respond to the requests. Yeah, same here. I'm paying him good money. I constantly have issues and I'm worried he's not backing up my network and securing it properly. You know what, Phil? Let's ask Stone Blanton. Hey JC and Phil, if you want a solution to your IT problems, give Heritage Digital a call. Our boy Matt Odom has a low-cost, one-price solution that will get you running right. Call 843-699-1001 or heritagedigital.com and ask for Matt. He will hook you up today and tell them Stone City. This is Freshman All-American, Nicky Memorial of the Carolina Gamecocks, and you are listening to the show with JC and Phil.
Welcome back to Inside the Gamecocks, the show, everybody. Presented to you by Express Sunrooms of Columbia. It's 803-446-4662. It's how to get in touch with John and his team down there. Talk about how potentially they could enclose a porch or a patio for you so you can enjoy the summer and sunshine bug-free. Uh, we are also powered, of course, by Electric Bikes of Charleston. Electric Bikes Charleston dot com this is uh i don't if it, i don't know where the weather what the weather's like in other areas but the weather this week is probably the best weather week of the entire year that we've had every day is between 75 and 80 degrees and sunny and no rain uh so it might be time to get out outdoors and enjoy yourself and get on that long bike ride if you haven't been on one or if you want to go on one and you're looking for something new that's where you want to go and people come from all over the place that's that's a true story they travel here to the low country from all over in south carolina to shop at michelle's store electric bites charleston dot com all the details that you could possibly dream of are on their website and these things are flying out the door so make sure you get down quickly speaking of flying i, I do have to mention this this is something uh personal one of our best friends in our neighborhood um dan Ziner is uh he's a he's a hell of a golfer first of all he actually writes for golf digest so he gets to go all over the country he doesn't have to uh pay <laughs> plays every course um he's also a runner and uh, he won a marathon last year in kansas to qualify for today's boston marathon which he is running in nice. he's, ex- he's he's expected to finish in about 30 minutes with a time of a shade over three hours uh, so running almost 27 miles in a little over three hours. Uh, so hats off to my man, Dan. Uh, we were actually going to try to go up there and see him, but, you know, just couldn't do it. we got so much going on. But, yeah, Boston Marathon, and he's uh, three hours. That's Is that good? Pretty pretty good. <laughs> pretty solid time. <laughs> Anybody that runs almost 27 miles, I don't care how long it takes you to get there, hats off to you. Uh, crazy stuff so hats off to my friend dan uh my wife just sent me an update on the app or whatever so that's what i've been looking at yeah all right so Gregor says bill king and uh for those of you that don't know i've uh i've got these little weekly things i do sometimes 107.5 with bill gunner uh, on tuesday mornings jamie has the other some other shifts uh with bill (laughs) just one other shift i'm I'm the monday morning guy I enjoy that one. I'm glad it's not on Monday morning. I'm glad it's on Tuesdays, but uh, yeah, uh, that's a better morning for me, especially during football season. When I get drugged to these Bears watch parties, and they get out of control sometimes. But uh, so I'm on there, and uh, in Tuscaloosa, I've told you I'm on with Wimp and Barry Sanderson every Wednesday, sometimes Thursdays. Well, Bill King calls me up the other day, and you know I used to do Sirius XM with him on recruiting when I was national recruiting guy. I did an hour every week, loved it. Uh, love Thursdays. Got to get up in the morning, drive to downtown Nashville before the traffic, uh, driving out when the traffic's coming in because my office uh, for 24-7 was out in Brentwood. And I uh, got to go to the studios right there called the Baby Space Needle right there at, uh, uh, I guess it's still Bridgestone mm-hmm. Arena, um, where yeah. uh, they had the SEC tournament and all that. That was always cool, you know, because you kind of felt like a Nashville thing because they have all the XM – Series X of country music artists coming in and out and stuff. So it was kind of cool. But anyway, I had a blast. Always love being on with Bill. Always love Bill. So he calls me up. We talk Gamecocks. And uh, he says he wants to do a weekly now. 
And so uh, every Thursday, I'm going to be on with him. And he asked me, who does recruiting like you used to? And I mentioned Charles Power. Uh, just because for Bill's audience, Charles makes a lot of sense. Um, sort of a newcomer and a guy that can talk about a lot of different players and stuff like that. Not really a newcomer. He's been in a while. But uh, certainly uh, Charles and his entire family are dear friends of mine. Um, so I recommended him. So that's what that's what Craigner's getting at. But, yeah, I'm on with Bill King in the morning. And like I said, if you need a good morning show, I mean, he's based out of Nashville now. It's not it's not that national scope on Sirius, but he's still got a national audience. So it's kind of cool. Um, so anyway, I just wanted to say that the other day. Um, so, uh, yeah, right. Cynical needs – remember, you can go to InsideTheGameCast.com and buy T-shirts. So Cynical had his Find a Damn Way chicken shirt, roaster shirt on at Outback the other night. The waitress was confused about the chicken and find a damn way. That's supposed to be like Gamecocks. Find it is. So, uh, anyway, those are for sale. If you guys want to rock and roll uh, with those. Here's a, a strange story. I'm not sure if any of you have uh, seen this out of uh, Columbus, Ohio, or actually, quote, Delaware, Ohio. But apparently, Brian Hartline, who recently named the offensive coordinator at Ohio State, um, had been drinking and was operating a utility terrain vehicle, which I'm assuming is, you know, some type of uh, four wheel or something like that. I don't know why they wouldn't just call it that, but, uh, and he crashed, it crashed early uh, Sunday morning. So probably late at night cruising around and him and another person were sent to the hospital. looks like they're going to be okay. But a woman uh, called 911 at about one twenty Sunday morning reporting that Heartline had, okay, flipped a four wheeler with a passenger on board near his residence in, Li- Li- residence in Liberty Township in uh, southern Delaware County. Uh, the dispatcher asked, have they been drinking? Do you know? Yes, they have. That's what his sister responded with. So we'll see if anything uh, comes to uh, comes to fruition uh, uh, with this uh, in- in- involving Brian Hartline. I know a bunch of people who've had drinks and driven four-wheelers on their own property and crashed them. They were all okay. I'm not saying it's something that's okay to do, but when you're the offensive coordinator at Ohio State, it might carry a little bit of a stiffer penalty. So we'll see what happens. Wait, you said yeah. it was who snitched? No. His sister his snitched? Sister. Yeah. Have they been drinking? Well, yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Of course. <laughs> I don't even know if there's a law against that on your own property. Maybe on public road. I'm not sure. I mean, and, and those vary from state to state. So Ohio may be different than like Indiana or Kentucky or one of those states. So uh, Brian Hartline is one of the best receivers coaches in the country from a recruiting standpoint. He they 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 clean up uh, at that position nationally. Yeah. Um, yeah. Whew, they, I mean, they get everybody out of Ohio, and then everybody else they want to. So um, he is a. Uh, He's a really good coach, and I remember when he played, he's a really good player. So he's one of those guys that was elite as a player and is, you know, becoming elite as a, as a coach. So I certainly hope he's okay. Certainly hope he's okay. Uh, we want to get this final break out of the way, Phil? Yeah. Yeah, yeah let's, let's knock it out. We got to, yeah. Gotta. Let's do that. And uh, when we return, uh, kind of we'll obviously begin to wind things down. But I do want to pass along a couple of these numbers from the the from what Carolina softball has been doing because uh, they are having a hell of a season and they deserve somebody to pat them on the back and we're going to do it right here on inside the Gamecocks the show in the Sinorama studios 
to being back in the pool and boat are quickly approaching. Many of us don't have the time to hit the gym, but Charleston Fitness Equipment can change that for you. Outfit your home with a treadmill, elliptical, or my favorite, a home rower that allows you to row with the pros all over the world. They have free weights, home gyms, flooring, and much more that makes keeping or getting in shape much more convenient. Located in Mount Pleasant, visit charlestonfitnessequipment.com for more. Get in shape like our Gamecocks. Charleston Fitness Equipment, proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Are you looking to buy a new home? Kevin O'Connell with Union Home Mortgage is a local mortgage expert and Gamecocks fan servicing North and South Carolina. Whether you're buying a home, building your dream home with new construction, or turning your equity into cash, UHM's world-class service will ensure you find the perfect mortgage to achieve your home ownership goals. Call Kevin at 803-906-0244 or visit UHM.com today. Union Home Mortgage is an equal housing lender. NMLS 2229 LONMLS 1772182. I want you to take me to Disney World. Calm down, calm down. JC is here. As y'all know, folks, the family and I have visited Disney World many times, but it can be overwhelming, especially if it's your first time going to the most magical place on earth. I highly recommend wherethisroadleads.com and my friend Cherie, a certified Disney vacation planner. That's right. The mouse has given her permission to book your family vacation hassle-free. You don't know where to go, don't know where to stay, don't know where to eat, don't know what to do. It can be overwhelming. So get on wherethisroadleads.com and schedule your free consultation right now. She can help you out. The prices are very reasonable. You don't pay any extra fees. Uh, in fact, she's much more reasonable maybe than booking it straight through Disney. So for your next Disney vacation or, you know, more likely your first so you don't panic, go to wherethisroadleads.com and talk to Cherie, certified Disney vacation planner, a partner of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. This is Braylon Wimmer, South Carolina Gamecock Baseball, and you are listening to Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Go Cocks! Welcome back, everybody. Inside the Gamecocks, the show, final segment of the show. Of course, we're sponsored by Express Sunrooms of Columbia, 803-446-4662. It's how to get in touch with John Barber and his team. And how about the softball team? Yeah, how about them, man? It's been it's been impressive. They're in the top twenty five now. Uh, they've won four in a row in league play. All of them ranked victories over Alabama. That one was in Tuscaloosa. I think everybody should understand how good the Tide are. Right, had their hearts broken in game one of that that series, and then they just swept a top twenty five A and M team this weekend. Uh, they had their hearts broken against Clemson. Can't get can't get off the Schneid there. That was back in the midweek, but they have they have turned it up, and this program deserves to have some attention paid to them. Thirty and twelve uh, on the season, seven and ten in SEC play, and they've got three series left at Georgia versus Auburn, and then at Tennessee. And uh, let me remind everybody how good this league is, much like baseball. Tennessee's ranked third, Georgia's ranked seventh, and Auburn's ranked twentieth. Uh, so they've got all, as of now, top 25 matchups remaining on the schedule in addition to 
a pair this week against Charleston Southern, a doubleheader that they'll play on Wednesday. So, you know, more than likely, guys, these days, like eight wins in the league get you into the tournament. But so mm-hmm. if they in these last three, if they find a way to go like three and six, they're probably securely in there. And anything better than that, they're going to really start looking at seating and doing some damage and stuff like that. So we need to pay attention to them because uh, Beverly Smith's got them playing very, very, very well uh, right now. So hats off to the to the softball team. Absolutely. And speaking of topics, people have been sour and negative about for the better part of three years. Yeah. Basketball recruiting. Yeah. Uh, men's men's yeah. basketball little, recruiting. Little nugget on um, that, huh? Miles Stute, Brad Crawford reports this on Twitter. Miles Stute from Vanderbilt. This kid's a really good three-point shooter. I mean, he came in and lit the Gamecocks up. Yeah. Uh, he uh, looks like he's coming Carolina's way. Uh, he will announce uh, today, later this afternoon. and uh, yeah, Sometime here in the next hour. Yeah, so – uh, to me, I think just kind of spitballing what I think Lamont Paris would like to be. I think he would like to be a very good three point shooting team. Uh, that's a good, that's a good pickup, you know, kind of a stretch four guy, uh, kind of like they like. So, uh, hats off to, uh, to them for getting a guy that's got some SEC experience that's, you know, had moments where he's filled it up, scored some points and, uh, we'll see, uh, how he blends with, uh, you know the other guys, so uh, yeah. I think uh, I think it's another another good one. I think there's still work to be done, but you know, Miles Stu to me uh, is is one of those you don't like sit there and kind of go, well, wow, who knows if he'll be pretty good or not. He's he's proven it, so he's a proven guy that can come in and and help the team next year. Yeah, three years in the league, uh, so he's still got a couple to play because his first season uh, was 2021, and they gave that back right with COVID. Uh, so, uh, he's got a couple of years to go, but the last two seasons, 21, 22 average eight and a half a game. And then this past year, 8.4 points per game. And that went along with four and a half boards, uh, shade under an assist per game. And, uh, and that's kind of his stat line. He did, he is a career 38% shooter from long range as well. Six, seven, two fifteen is what he's listed. At. I think he's actually a little bit bigger than that. And he's originally out of Washington, D.C., Miles Stute, as you mentioned, transferring from Vanderbilt. And you pointed out uh, Brad Crawford, at least on Twitter, says he has been told it looks like it's South Carolina as well. Uh, so Lamont Paris and the Gamecocks may be getting a, getting a good one, whom they've seen. They know a little bit about his game, as you mentioned. Yeah, no doubt. And, uh, you know, you just got to got to – in basketball these days, you got to piece it together. Uh, <laughs> Man, I saw Arkansas got one of the leading scores in the ACC. I didn't even click on the tweet and see who it was, but I mean, they're sick with what they do in the portal in men's basketball. Mills Musselman's really, really killing it, uh, as are a lot of the teams in the league. So, um, but you do want to go to battle next year, I think, with more than what you came in with this season. If you're Lamont Paris and you know, landing a guy with experience and stuff like that that can shoot. Um, I think that's good. And, and yeah, guys, I, I, I'll, I'll kind of wrap up hoops here. I was kind of thinking the other day, when, when Lamont Paris first got hired, it was like, oh, God, they're going to run the Wisconsin offense. And he's like, nah, we don't really run the Wisconsin offense. And we kind of let it go free-forming. Uh, and I think 
during the season, we all were kind of like, oh, God, what are they doing? <laughs> I, yeah. don't, I don't understand. Well, you've said that many times, JB. Like, well, I don't know what this basketball is trying to do. I think when you kind of look at the types of guys he's been targeting, he'd probably do himself a favor to maybe try to have that type of offense uh, at South Carolina. I mean, that type of offense, keep in mind, is kind of a an equalizer. I, I know people from Wisconsin, they're like, they have no business winning in football and men's basketball like they do. But what they do is they just – pound the heck out of their system in football. It's, and they've changed it now in football. Luke Fickle hired Longo. So it's going spread. It's just going to be different. Interact curious to see how they do there. Uh, but basketball, it's like that, you know, Bo, uh, Ryan, Tony kind of got its uh, start with the, the Bennett guy, Tony Bennett's dad, senior yeah. at Wisconsin. And, you know, so, uh, shoot a lot of threes, a lot of good shooters, a lot of skilled guys. Can that be a counterbalance in the SEC, which is a league that's like over the top athletic? Um, you know, not so much a super skilled basketball league, <laughs> but yeah. over the top athleticism and, and things like that. So, so maybe if you're South Carolina, you know, sometimes when you're an underdog like that, you gotta, you gotta, you know, dip when the other guys, uh, dump Duncan or whatever, however you, hell you want. I don't know how the thing is, but, uh, you gotta zig while somebody else is zagging. Um, so I don't know that that may not be what he's looking at. I don't know that I don't have a scoop on it, but I'm just kind of looking at what they've been doing in the portal and looking at the problems from last year and then the guys they have coming back. I, I think it's a, it's a potential, um, I guess, move that he could make that, to, to where kind of be that style of team uh, this year. And that style, although it's not the most exciting, uh, it wins. And I think, I think you'd take winning over exciting uh, any day of the week. Well, for what it's worth, he's the 84th-ranked transfer in the country. South Carolina right now currently has the 16th-best class in the country, but with the addition of Miles Stute, probably going to be hovering around the top 10. So we'll see kind of how it all unfolds for those that are interested in rankings and stats and stuff like that. Uh, today you should see that. Number four. Shoot up. Is that just for transfers or just transfers? Yeah. Transfer class, yeah. Uh, it's pretty good, by the way, for South Carolina and baseball, too, because they're number two in the RPI. I mean, it's a pretty good spring for anybody that's not been paying attention. <laughs> it ain't been bad. I hated that they lost to the Whistler because I'm, like I said, yeah. I, I don't know, I don't know where I've been living, but, oh, God. Uh, it, just, ruined, yeah. it ruined everybody's day at our house. <laughs> that's why I just listen to Derek and Tommy, and uh, you can still hear it a little bit, but they talk over it. Yeah, he's not Derek quite that bad on the radio. Yeah, <laughs> No, no, he's not. He's not. And we're just so lucky to have those guys call. I'm telling you, for people that don't listen to Carolina baseball games, either if you don't have it, if you don't live in an area where you can listen to it and you haven't downloaded the app, the Gamecock app, to listen to it, oh, crazy. They're so good. It makes it so enjoyable. So hopefully, there's my shameless plug for Derek Scott and, uh, and, and Tommy Moody. All right, we're painted garnet and black by a couple of painters. LetMePaintSomething.com. They painted a nursery last week for Chavis McDonald. And amongst all the other stuff, I know they have got so much going on. Fences, entire homes, new builds. They do everything. Hats off to Tristan and these guys, man. They're the best. A couple of painters licensed and insured all over the state of South Carolina and all across the state of Georgia. 
LemmePaintSomething.com. Get your free quote today. Just send it to them. Send them pictures. They'll quote it. It's that easy. We are out of time, but we will be back tomorrow. A reminder, Monty Lee will join us at uh, 1120 on Wednesday, uh, day before Florida comes to town to take on the Gamecocks. So looking forward to that. Thanks to all of you. Thanks to Keith and John Whittle. And thanks to the very well-groomed J.C. Sherbert and the very bald Dr. Phil. We'll see you tomorrow at 11 on Inside the Gamecocks, the show from the Sinorama Studios.